Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. So, regardless if you are a first time home buyer or looking to be a repeat buyer by either moving up or downsizing, possibly, we talk about all the things you need to know in the real estate market. I'm your host, Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in studio this early Saturday morning is Mr. Chris Corvo from Midtown Title. Mr. Thayer, good morning, sir. How are you, man? Thanks for having me. Man, look, the GQ. That's I'm just going to change his, his little thing here. GQ, GQ Title Guru. Hey, I like that. GQ Q Title Guru. That's pretty that's cool. That's, that's who, who at this early on a Saturday morning actually has the gumption to put on a, a jacket like A jacket that? And, and shirt. Well, holy cow. I mean, you're outclassing me. That's for daggone sure. Well, th- our, our our listeners will see this video, in, and they will know <laughs> that I am professional 24-7. Bam. And wow. <laughs> that he is. He just said I was unprofessional. I heard it. He actually, he did say that. I, That's what shocked. I heard. I was shocked and amazed. So uh, <laughs> he just over there like <laughs> I, I, I am. I am here to uh, impress, and uh, you always have to be on, and I'm on, ready to go. You, you, you are on. impressive, so, absolutely. And of course, David, the money man, not the money man, the dollar man, Dollar Dave, <laughs> <laughs> money man. Jesus. What are you saying, it's, man? It's early, man. I haven't got all my you know, stuff yeah. going on, man. <laughs> it's either early or it's late. Take your pick, right? Hey, I'm taking early right now. All right, <laughs> Benny, man. Dollar Dave from Capital Homes. How are you, man? I am excellent. How you doing? Not bad. Not bad. And then Mr. JT behind the glass making it all happen. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Got my coffee ready to roll. Yeah, I apparently need some more, even though I don't drink any coffee, but need some sort of caffeine. So what's the status with this building next door, man? They are over there making noise and racket all the, you know, this early. In the my morning. understanding, it's a four-story uh, apartment complex that's going to be uh, geared towards millennials. So it's going to have trophies in every room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rent is free. No Participation trophies for everyone. <laughs> Mom and dad will be paying the rent. Yeah, there's no telling what that's going to go for. You no. said four-story? Yeah. Wow. I guess that, are they putting any commercial down uh, below? I haven't heard about that, but that seems to be the popular thing in all the new buildings downtown. Yeah. These are the first or second floor. We'll have like, you know, Mixed shops use. and coffee shops yeah. and that kind of stuff. So it's yeah, a good chance. Yeah, use is really cool. We were driving through downtown this uh past weekend and went to a, a hockey game and was just like holy cow yeah just uh what it's was, amazing. It was last weekend or we i can't remember when it's my all the times were on together now yeah but they didn't play this they played prior, prior weekend, weekend. Pri- weekend prior yeah prior weekend and i was just like wow yeah i mean as much as we pay attention to what's going on but i knew about the new um uh what's the what what is it that's going up by the um they just went. Oh, what's that big hotel that just went up? The, the Westin, yes. The Marriott is it? Marriott's going in next door. I believe it's a Marriott. I mean, just the footprint of that monster. It's huge. Yeah, and then just when you get down there and you're at the convention center and you're walking around and you're checking things out and then you just get driving around, even though we're paying attention to everything. I mean, when you're really out just looking and checking it out, it's just it's amazing. I, I know that one of the big criteria for hosting a Super Bowl is hotel rooms. Do you have enough hotel rooms to accommodate? And I wonder how close Nashville is getting to being able to accommodate. I would say they're close, getting close to the hotel rooms, but they were talking about it the other day in one of the sports talks. um, The fact it's open dome, I'm open roof, it's not a a closed roof or whatever. 
but they were talking about how much longer the one in Jersey was open, and That's they played in New York. That's true. You know, and they That's their big thing was well, they have plenty of hotel rooms and yeah. whatever. I mean, they 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 rolled the dice there. It's not the, it's not even close to as big a roll of a dice here in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. man, could you imagine a city with a with a Super, Super Bowl? Bowl? Well, I went to the hockey All Star game. Last oh, year, that, I was just thinking that that and was phenomenal. That was a, that was amazing, mm-hmm. and um, they wonder, did a great job. They did a great job, and I guarantee you, no matter where they go, it's going to be a letdown compared to what happened mm-hmm. here. We did a a charity bowling event with the Preds that they do every year, and the person that we bowled with was the uh, director of hockey operations for the mm-hmm. National Predators, and so we were. I was asking them, "Hey, when is that coming back again?" And uh, and and so they said they're always working on that, trying to bring that back. But uh, there's just no way to compare to what what it was. I mean, right. even all the players were giving Nashville all these accolades about how phenomenally it was laid out and how there was this to do with being right down Broadway and all the stages and the music. And I mean, well, they just shut the block. They just shut the. 10 square blocks off or whatever it is yeah. and people just meandered around and, and and had a good time but that's the kind of publicity that the city gets why the city's growing mm-hmm. the hotels were full all the way down to Laverne yes. for real? yeah I mean Cool Springs you kind of know is going to happen yeah but it, you know because we were in Summerfield building mm-hmm. at the time when they had the, the, the all-star game and we went out to lunch and it was packed with wow. Kids and adults, all in their uh, all in their uh, hockey jerseys and stuff like that, and it's like, are you all here for the All Star game? And they're like, yeah. And they were they were staying at that Holiday Inn right off that Laverne exit. Wow, I mean, it packed. They wow. said that was the closest they could get. I didn't realize there was that many people being drawn in for that, but still, I mean, wow. there's just there's people constantly here. I yeah. mean, we were downtown. I mean, you could just see the tourist. That were just walking through all of downtown, checking things out, and it's just like, wow, these are the people that we talk about that are coming here, checking out the city. Then they eventually move here, and then we deal with obviously all the millennials and mm-hmm. professional people that transfer in and so forth all the time. But man, it's just, I don't know, it just really opened my eyes back up to it again, and I knew how big this city was. But I just it's really, a beautiful city. It's it, a beautiful it city to walk in at night too. It's like a badge of honor. Like I said, if I go out of town and talk to people about it, you know, I'm from, from Nashville, Nashville, and you get the same response. I, yeah. love, I love the place. Everyone and, loves uh, Nashville. You can go out on a Tuesday night. We go to the Preds games all the time. We're season ticket holders, and you come out of this arena, and there's just it's wall to wall people as far yeah. as you can see, and it's a random Tuesday night. Do you remember 20 years ago? When you would say you were from Nashville, and people would say, "Oh, Elvis," and they would confuse it with Memphis. Nobody confuses it with Memphis no. anymore. Everyone like, knows where Nashville is. Yeah, everybody's like, "Oh, Nashville! That's where they have the Bluebird Cafe or whatever they saw on the TV show." Yeah. And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, that's it. That's it." I wonder how much that show actually did for Nashville. Huge, huge. Uh, for my opinion, it was a big deal. Really? It was really a big deal because it, it really did put us on the map. I mean, people. We used to go to the Bluebird Cafe, my wife and I, all the time. And you could just walk in and go see somebody that we knew. Right. Can't get it anymore. There's always a line there. You got to get reservations. Jeez. Hey, we've got to jump out to our first break. When we come back, we're going to get into the show, talk about some surveys. We talked, touched on it a little bit last week, but we're going to really get into why from the title guru over here, Chris Corot from Midtown Title, why you want to get a survey done, even if you're just putting up. Offense. 
So from simple things like a fence and then how that will spill into other projects and so forth. You listen to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. Before the break, we were talking about, or starting to talk about the whole survey, why you need it. What's survey do for you? And why in the world would you want it to prevent what might seem like World War III with your neighbor when you want to go in and install a simple fence? So I'm glad Chris is here today. Because we didn't get to talk about this last time because Chris wasn't here and he's this is his area of expertise. Yes. The question I'm going to ask. I don't know if you remember. I know Chris remembers back in the day when you had to have a mortgage survey before you bought a property if you were getting mm-hmm. a loan. Yes, that was the common practice. It still is in a lot of states but that it, you have to have a survey done every time the property sells. And how long ago was that in Tennessee? We probably quit doing them probably 10 years ago at this point, I'm going to guess. Okay. And, you know, because lenders want to try to keep the cost down, no one even recommends it anymore. Nobody even suggests that you do it anymore. Oh, it's like asking them to cut your arm off to get a survey, even if you know there's a problem with it. You know, don't need to do a survey. Don't need to do a survey. Yeah. I mean, I really think it's a crying shame, especially in a suburban or urban environment where doing a survey is not going to cost you thousands of dollars. It's going to cost you hundreds of dollars. So... Somebody that I know, somebody who I'm building a house for right now, purchased a piece of commercial property. Okay. And next to his commercial property is another commercial property that somebody bought from the same seller. The fence for the other commercial property encompasses a piece of property that's twice as big as what their actual property is. Twice as big? And so the friend of mine had his property surveyed to show very clearly that his fence that he thinks is his yard is not doesn't belong to him. Doesn't belong <laughs> to him, and he feels bad for the guy. But he's going to go say, you know, hey, you, you know, I own this, not you. Right. I know that that fence was there when you bought it, but, but it's, it's not yours. Right. So other than going after the seller for misrepresentation, what recourse does this guy have? None. Not a lot. Uh, I mean, you talk about the person who owns a property with the fence over it. Yeah. I mean, there's legal means you have to go to to go through to try to. You can't just go pull the fence down. That's the first thing. Well, I'm not. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the other guy who now has half the property he thought he had. Yeah. There's not much he can do. I mean, if if this if the seller of that property intentionally did not provide him information and in, that said that he owed that he owned this. Meaning that if he intentionally tried to hide that information from the person who bought it, then you might have some recourse. But usually you're giving that information to the best of your knowledge. And it's really buyer beware. That's the scariest thing people don't realize in contracts. It's typically buyer beware. Buyer, if you want to know what what X is, it's up to you. If you go to closing and you buy the property and you get the deed, then it's assumed that you've accepted the property as it sits at that point in time. So no matter what the faults are in it, no matter what the deal is, it's yours at that point in time. So there's very, very, very little recourse unless you can provide proof that the seller intentionally tried to uh, try to hide information. So there's a lot of conversations sometimes I get into with lay people about adverse possession. Yes. This this belief that since that fence was there before I bought the property, it's mine. Yes. Tell tell us why they're wrong. Well, adverse possession is when somebody tries to say, 
hey, like you said, the fence is over there. I've assumed that's been mine. You can see the trees are planted over there. It looks nice and square. So I'm going to go and say that I thought it was mine. Therefore, it should be mine. And um, and sometimes there is an argument for that. It just depends on what the situation is. For the most part, um, the argument's going to be, hey, so sorry. There's not much we can do about it. Uh, you know, first thing people do is they get all upset if you go tell when they put the stakes out there. That's mm-hmm. the first thing people do, man. <laughs> you stick them stakes out, and people are either trying to pull them up yeah. or or they're, they're they know what's going on, especially if there's a huge problem out there to do it. And it's not necessarily always fun um, to have that kind of conversation with your neighbor, especially if they've got a fence or I've had situations where pools have been over, mm-hmm. driveways, parts of the house, uh, all kinds of items that that would be really detrimental if you said, this is my property, and get and take it off there. The one thing people can't do, like I said, is go start knocking stuff down and tearing stuff down. If it's your neighbor's uh, fence or anything encroaches onto your property, there is legal steps you have to do. You just can't destroy their personal property. Um, but the first thing you have to do is you would typically have to file action in the court um, to, to allow you to be able to move that, that property off of there, whether it's fence or, or swimming pool or whatever, unless the people just agree to move it. Most of the time, they're going to try to argue adver- adverse possession. Um, now, in, from my experience, the only adverse possession that I saw worked out in favor of the person who was encroaching was a physical permanent structure. Not a fence. It was a house. It was actually a house that was encroaching by about a foot. And and they went through the whole process, I mean, court and everything. And the court, if I remember right, said, okay, we'll we'll move this property line, but you owe the other guy X number of dollars. Comp- compensation for their loss of property. And right. so so even sense. though they ended up you and you know, and they settled it more than they actually ended up with a court order, but they settled it in the sense that they said, Okay, we'll give you this property, but you gotta pay us prorated a portion of what it's worth. How do you even build a house that close to a property line, though? Back in the day when there wasn't building setbacks, it was an old, this particular one that I'm telling you about, the building was at least 100 years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, so some of these really old buildings downtown, they're 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 just connected by a roof line or something, yeah. and there's a zero lot line, and they're just built really right on top of each other. Nowadays, they have to do uh, foundation surveys. Builders do, that's right. but that still doesn't stop people from from putting the foundation in the wrong spot or building it over uh, to do that. Which is why I always tell people you should have. Nobody wants to spend more money than they have to, but you should have a survey done, especially if you spend the money and you put the pool in or you put the driveway in, and then you find out. I had a client who bought a house a few weeks ago and he was going to tear the house down and put two houses on there the neighbor's driveway the house was about four years old with a neighbor next door and the driveway was close to 10 feet over on his property wow so he goes i'm going out there with a with a concrete saw and i'm gonna saw the driveway off (laughs) and i'm like no you can't do that because then then the this the person who can get you for destroying their personal property there is steps you have to go through the first would be to try to have a conversation explain what's going on which most sellers or owners don't want to have that conversation then you typically have to go through the court system to allow to allow you to remove that uh, encroachment onto the property you just can't do it arbitrarily isn't it also going to kind of depend on the level of encroachment i mean if it's a permanent structure like a building you're going to have to go through one level, but if it's, you know, a box of toys or whatever, I mean, you know. Oh, no. I mean. You know what I mean? I mean I'm overstating it, but, you know, even a fence, I think, for the most part, you know. I just try to tell people, don't take it into your own hands just to try to try to tear stuff down that's, yeah. that's on your property. That's the biggest, that's the biggest 
misconception right there is that it's on my property. How how about this? What if you offered to sell them that extra little portion that they're encroaching on? So that opens up another box of worms there um, (laughs) at this point in time. What that means is you would have to um, survey that portion of it off. You would have to redraw the plat maps if you're in a platted subdivision to do that. You also have to consider that maybe that portion of the land that's owned, let's say Michael owns one house and David owns the next door house, and, and David's fence encroaches or his swimming pool encroaches about five feet onto Mike's property. And Mike says, you know what, you're a good guy. I'll sell it to you for $10,000. David says, great. Well, if Michael's got a loan on his property, he can't give away 10 feet of it without his lender being involved at that point in time. So then he has to go to his own lender and say, lender, I would like to sell 10 feet of my property to my neighbor. Um, and then they would have to agree upon a, a number to re, that would pay off that portion of the 10 feet or 5 feet to give to uh, David at that point in time. Sounds rather simplistic to me. It's not. <laughs> uh, and typically it gets... It gets more complicated than that. It can get super complicated. So uh, let's let's say that the building, the minimum lot size for your zoning is 5,000 square feet. And you just gave away, so now you have 4,950 4, square feet of land. You're okay with your house until you go to pull a permit to do any kind of remodeling or renovation. And all of a sudden, well, you don't have zoning for that anymore because your property's not big enough for that house. Or you have an irregular lot. Yeah. That's the term, irregular lot. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so they oh. would stop you for 50 square feet or 50 feet? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't have the right size for the zoning that you're trying to do, you'll never pull another permit again. You'll be grandfathered, correct me if I'm wrong, you'll be okay with what you have, but you'll never be able to update it or pull a permit. So I always tell people if you're going to do something like that, even if you're buying a property, get it surveyed. You, those matters can be addressed before you buy it because once you buy it, it becomes your problem at that point in time. Buyer beware. I want to talk about mortgage surveys a little bit more when we come back. I was about to say, we can't drop this where it's at, man. Hey, we're going to go out to a break real quick. When we come back, we're going to pick up our conversation about surveys. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show where we're talking all things real estate. If you missed any of our previous shows or maybe you just tuned into this one, you can check us out online at moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio and catch up on all of our previous shows, this show and behind the scenes and all the other good footage. But we were talking about mortgage surveys, actually not talking about mortgage surveys. We were talking about surveys in general in the prior segment. Well, now we want to transition to yeah. mortgage surveys. And David, you had a couple of comments you want to add to that? Well, you know, the first thing is if you're buying a house, when you make your loan application, tell your lender right on the front end, hey, I want to get a mortgage survey at least, or I want to get a full survey. And, and that, that way they can put it into the good faith estimate and right. you know what you're going to spend and just roll it into your closing cost. And they'll give you a ballpark idea, but you're going to have to find a surveyor and they may or may not know somebody. But if you go to capitalhomeideas.com and send me an email, I can give you the name of a good surveyor. But you were talking before about how sometimes people put the stakes out and then they go and they move them and all that good <laughs> stuff, you know. And that's true, you know. And I, people, when I buy a developed lot in a neighborhood, the developer surveys the property for me before I build the house. And people see the stakes and they say to me, oh, it's already been surveyed. And I say, yeah, but I didn't install the survey. I don't warranty its location. Right. And if you're going to build a fence, 
get your property surveyed before you build the fence. Oh, but it's already been surveyed. Why do I need to do that? Because I take multi-ton pieces of equipment <laughs> and I roll them all over the ground. <laughs> and even they those, fall over, yeah, mistakes fall over. Yeah. And, but even the metal pins that are in the ground that are supposedly permanent will get moved yeah. by a he- very large, heavy piece of equipment. It will pull it right out of the ground or move it a few feet. Get it surveyed before you install the fake with a stake survey. But if you're going to buy a property, I would say you'd really want to get a mortgage survey at a minimum because a mortgage survey won't have the stakes on the corners, but it will tell you if the neighbor's property in- encroaches, if the fence encroaches, or if the property that you're about to buy has a fence that encroaches on somebody else's property mm-hmm. so that you know what you're buying as opposed to thinking you know what you're buying. Right. So it's like an aerial view, a draw, sketch is what it is. There's there's several different types of surveys that are out there. You can probably a, a mortgage loan uh, survey that he's talking about is probably the, about the lowest form of mm-hmm. a survey that you can get. And it's like looking down on the property and seeing where the outlines of the, where all where all the buildings are at and where the property lines are at. Think of it like that. Um, you can also do boundary surveys, which would actually go out and pin the boundaries at that point in time. They would point out everywhere. Now, you usually see boundary surveys on larger tracts of land. Let's say if you're out in the country or somewhere and you're buying like a five-acre tract of land, right. you'd want to do a boundary survey so you can figure out exactly where the boundary is. Or if you're about to put a fence up. Or if you're about to put a fence up, you need to uh, determine that. I will say that um, on a title insurance policy, which is what we issue to customers to ensure their title's good, there is a standard exception to title that says we do not warrant any matters to contain, pertaining to a survey. So what that means is is that we will guarantee that your title to the property is clear, but unless you provide a survey, we do not guarantee that the property fits onto the boundaries itself. So people just say, I bought it. I've got a title policy. They will cover that. No, we will not cover that unless you – I cannot give you coverage for something that you have not provided me proof that coverage can be given on. And that's not Midtown. That's First American. Well, that's, that's standard. Whatever. Industry standard is what that is. It would be like saying, hey, I'm going to ensure that you don't have cancer, Mike, but not doing any sort of cancer screening to do that. You. So if somebody gets a mortgage survey before you issue the title policy, do they get an extra layer of coverage? They um, they can, yes. On the owner's policy, we will remove the exception uh, for that, and then we would ensure that, there, that any matters pertaining to the survey would be covered at that point in time. There are several steps they have to do. It's not necess- We won't do it on a mortgage loan inspection because that's just – or a mortgage survey because that's just for the mortgage company. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really going to get deep into the woods, but the mortgage companies at times will want – that's that exception for survey matters is on both the um, owner's policy and the, what we have to give to the mortgage company, which is – called the lender's policy. Mm-hmm. A lot of times a lender will say, we want that removed as well. So then we would do the basic, the loan policy, at, at the loan inspection at that point in time. On the lender's policy, um, it depends on how, what's on the mortgage loan inspection, whether or not we'd be willing to remove that exception or not. So if we can, if they can accurately depict where the pins are at and everything looks to be in line, then we could possibly do it. Um, they may require, the underwriters may require a full-blown boundary survey at that point in time where the surveyor just certifies that the boundaries are true and correct. So that's kind of a situational. And yet another reason why for sale by owner is risky. Very risky. I mean, there's just so many things to know and understand. And I mean, even like the surveys, we don't all deal with surveys and mm-hmm. on a daily basis because they're not required, but there's so much to, to know. Like what's the difference between what is exact 
the, what is the accuracy difference between a mortgage survey and a and a boundary, boundary survey? survey? Um, it's not it's not an accuracy thing. It's a what did you buy thing. In other words, you buy a mortgage survey. The guy goes out there and he gives you a very accurate description of where everything is. Yeah. But when you go out to the property, there's no evidence that he was there. Whereas if you get a boundary survey, you go out there. And the, the stakes with the flags on them are not the actual boundary pins. They will take a metal rod and shove it into the ground. That you'll never see. Unless you look really hard, right. right? Or you get a metal detector. Right. And so a boundary survey is when they actually put the metal pins on every corner. Which is pinning. And also in the boundary survey, they could also show what matters affect your land. Like if there's any easements, um, if there's any right-of-ways. Um, if there's any uh, like sewer access or drainage easements, whereas the mortgage, the the boundary, the mortgage loan and, uh, report will not show that. It's basically just in sh- telling you that the property does not, nothing encroaches if it does, or it would show that. Another thing is people think you own your house from the street back to the back yeah. of your lot, which is not true. That's right. How, what's the average setback, or what's the average, you know, county allotment for? Well, you'll the own it, notes. but the county has rights to it, and they yeah. can do whatever they want. I'm going to correct you. The in the, the, ca- the county right away in a modern subdivision will be usually eight feet past the curb, and they actually own that area. Your property doesn't start till the backside of the city walk. So from the city walk to the curb is actually owned by the city. It's part of the city right away. It's owned by the city. Yeah, but from the boundary line to the setback line. Yes. I'm not talking about the building setback line. I'm talking about the actual – we're talking about two different things now. We'll so put the, some pictures what, up the, for this the, too. The, yeah, the building setback is where you can actually start building the house. That's your front yard. Right. But but from the back of the city walk, so if you're buying – the city walk? In Delvin – well, I, that's a great question. To kind of draw a distinction between a sidewalk that is owned by the city, mm-hmm. which is the walk that just goes right in front of your house down to the corner. Right. As opposed to a lead walk, which leads you from your driveway to your front door. Okay. They're both sidewalks. A city walk is owned by the city. The lead walk is yours that goes from your driveway to your front door. Gotcha. Okay. So the city walk is actually owned by the city. The city is responsible for maintaining it once the bond is released. The city owns it, and they're responsible for it. And that little three-foot strip of grass in a modern subdivision is actually owned by the city. But you have to mow it. And if you don't mow it, they'll find the crap out of it. <laughs> and you're talking about between the road and the sidewalk, Yes, the, that strip there. That strip is owned by the city. It's not, it's in the city's right-of-way. You don't own it. But you, but you have to maintain <laughs> it. And then the boundary line for the property usually, will start beyond the sidewalk. Usually right on the back side of the sidewalk. And then there's a spot between the boundary line and the setback line where your house sits. Yes. That might have easements in there that run through there as well, electrical lines. Yeah. yeah. And then. And so I, so I see people do that all the time. They say, oh, I own 120 feet. And they'll measure 120 feet from the back of the curb. Yeah. Right. And they'll start their fence. Well, I measured it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you measured from the wrong spot. And the right. other thing is when I worked for another builder that's no longer building in Nashville, so I can say their name, Washington Homes. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah, they're owned by somebody else now. They're owned by a big corporation. Anyway, <laughs> they actually built a road off out of center in the right-of-way by two feet. Wait, so they, they did what? They built the, a road out of center. The, the, the road was supposed to, the road should be in the center of the right-of-way. Yeah. And this road was off center by two feet. So the people oh. on the right side of the street sure. had had yeah. five feet from the back of the curb to the front of their property. And the people on the left side of the street had nine feet from mm-hmm. the back of the curb to the front of their property. 
And so it was, and no one ever knew unless they went and got a survey. Right. Anyway. Which goes back to what you said, Chris. Buyer beware. You just know what you're buying. Get a survey so much more. Yeah, get a survey because it'll give you that entire picture. Good, yeah. good stuff. Super important. Super. If you want to know what you own, that's the only way to, <laughs> to be sure. Well, we go uh, jump out to another break real quick. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few builder tips and uh, get the rest of the show wrapped up. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here at News Radio 1510, WLSC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we are talking surveys this morning. You know, during the break, we're sitting there thinking, you know. Well, Jimmy asked a good question. Jimmy, what was your yeah. question? My question was that eight feet of property that you have between yours and the and the road mm-hmm. that the county owns, what would they ever do with it? Well, that, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. They will do whatever they want to that has to do with utilities or right-of-way. So, for example, if they decide that four feet wide for a sidewalk is no longer sufficient, they want to go five feet wide, they'll, they, can, they have the right to come back and widen the sidewalk. And I've seen them do that. But more frequently what they'll do is they'll turn around and give their rights to work on the utilities in those areas. For example, in parts of uh, uh, – Barnes Cove, which connects to Delvin Downs, which you can find out more information at capitalhomeideas.com about, uh, AT&T wanted to run fiber. And and, this, and the county gave them rights to go into those people's three-foot of grass strip and and do the worms to pound the lines underneath the sidewalks and in the in the driveways and everything. And it's it's the county's property. They do what they want. This is or the city's property, and they and they install Google um, sorry, uh, AT&T fiber everywhere. And Google's doing that right now. Now they should have to put the property back the way it was, correct? Um, I mean, like grass or whatever. Okay, so let's define the way it was. <laughs> okay, they they don't have a responsibility to reinstall bushes, bushes or your grass. They have an obligation to provide what's called uh, sediment control. So they have to seed and straw. And that's it. So if you have a zoysia grass or you have some, you know, whatever kind of special grass that you have, they don't have an obligation to put that back. They just got to put back Kentucky blue and straw and be done. They just going to throw some wheat grass yeah. in there. You good. Yeah. yeah. And you, But you ask a great question. If you have one of those green underground transformer boxes for utilities, if you read the box, it's right on there in big letters. You don't have to read it close. It tells you flat out, if you plant anything within 10 feet, when we rip it out, we don't care. Hmm. Really? If you read this, yeah, it says you don't plant anything within 10 feet of this box. And actually, it gives more specifics, so like eight feet in the front and three feet on the side. And when they come, if they try to work around your your bushes, your special bushes and roses that you've planted there. But if it's in the way. But if they get frustrated and they just start ripping it out, they do not care. And they will just rip it out and leave it there. They don't clean it up or nothing. It's You, you weren't supposed to plant it there and get it out of the way. Well, people try to hide that stuff all the yeah. time with bushes and shrubs and stuff. Yeah. and. And never take into account that somebody may have to come out there and work on that. So here's the funny thing. When I'm selling new homes, and this cracks me up because I have this happen all the time. I have people go out and look at these big, beautiful home sites, and there's the green transformer box. And there's one on every single lot, by the way. Every single home site has one. (laughs) But they go, oh, I want one without that. And I'm like, well, all of my homes come with electricity, so I can't help you there. And they go, oh, I can't look at that ugly thing. And inevitably I say, well, you know, I'm I'm lucky because, you know, the model doesn't have one. 
And they go, that's right. And I go, actually, that's wrong. There's one right in front of the mom that you just didn't notice it because when I build the house, you don't see that little itty bitty box anymore. You only see the house. And they go, oh, I didn't even notice that one. That's right. You don't notice it. So don't worry about those boxes. Trust me. It's no one else. When you're looking at a vacant lot, you see all the imperfections. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else to look at but the yeah. box or the manhole or yeah. or whatever else it is in there. We put a big, beautiful house on it. You'll never see it. And just leave them be. Don't block them with shrubs. And I, in the neighborhood that I live in, I, I watch somebody totally ring around the rosy a fire hydrant. <laughs> and and, I, and I, I, I went to the board and I said, guys— you got to make them move those bushes. I was about to say, why would you want to cover up a fire hydrant? Oh, it's really? ugly. I don't want to see that fire hydrant in my front yard. I'm like, a- mm-hmm. absolutely not. And the board actually refused to do something about it, so I just called the fire marshal. I was about to say, if your house was on fire, you would want them to be able to find the fireplace. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and you take the one that's right in front of your house and you cover it up so that people can't find it? Yeah. No. Okay, here's a question. Could you paint it? Y- you, you can. You can get away with painting it. It doesn't belong to you, to. though. Yeah, you're not supposed to. <laughs> Yeah, but I gotta cut the grass that don't belong to me. So I figure it's you know trade out. Yeah, that's true. the The fire hydrants are actually color coded. I was about mm. to say there are there was a color scheme, but I wasn't sure yeah. what it was all about. It's the volume of water that they can sustain. Sustain. Oh, that's what the color schemes are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a, it's, a, it's the volume of water that comes out of it. Mm. So so they are color coded. I mean, people do it all the time, but planting bushes is actually dangerous. Yeah. You know, changing the color code of the fire hydrant. I mean, you know, yeah. well, you know, if water's going to come out or water's not going to come out, it's not that big of a deal. But you take and you hide the fire hydrant, and, and this, and like I said, the, the HOA president didn't want to do anything. He didn't want to upset the neighbor. I just called the fire marshal. The fire marshal came down and they pulled them. Boom. You know, they came out there with their axes and shovels, which fire trucks have. Yeah. <laughs> they have Very them in well. spades. They have them in spades, so yes. to say, and they just dug it all up. A send station such and such out to this place. Yeah. Boom, I'm done. Threw it in their front yard and left. <laughs> See, some of these communities, like I know Nolansville's it because it's further it's away from the water department because they use Metro Water out there. Yeah. Um, and the pressure is not what they would like it to see because that's why Nolansville didn't grow for so long is because yeah. they didn't have water or sewer lines out there. We talked about this in a show yeah. before about building the main line there. And the pressure is can only be so much. And so a lot of places in Nolansville, uh, that, they require sprinkler systems systems in the house, um, which could be several thousand dollars you add to the price of your house because of the water pressure coming out of the fire hydrants is insufficient. They feel it's insufficient to adequately service the uh, those communities. And so they're they're making it mandatory for sprinkler systems in those types of houses. Yeah. And then do you hear about all the damage that was done because of the sprinkler systems? No, I didn't hear that. <laughs> Two winters ago, I think it was, when we got down into the teens. Oh, they froze week up. After oh. Week after week after week. Yes. They they froze up in the people's attics and burst. I remember that now. And and so all the you know the property savings that they were trying to it's all gone <laughs> down the drain, <laughs> literally. Yeah, literally. Pipes burst. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah, remember. It was, it was all bad. over the news. It was lawsuits, crazy. It was, it was just insane. But how do you? I mean, what's the difference of protecting your pipes in your crawl space versus being in your attic? <laughs> And that's what the the center of the lawsuits was was that the builders didn't properly insulate the pipes. They ins- they they insulated under the line. They didn't properly insulate in a way that heat was still getting to the lines. Uh, right. But uh, were these all new construction or were they, they were all new, all construction. new construction? Okay. Yeah. So the so the so the pipes in the attic 
weren't exposed, but they were more exposed than they should have been. More susceptible than they should have been. Yeah. I mean, you think about it like this. If you frame and you've got a two-by-eight as your bottom rafter, mm-hmm. boy, I'm really lost in the weeds. Jimmy, am I going too far with this? No, you're good. Okay. So you got your two-by-eight rafter, and you're insulating, let's say, 24 inches, and the pipe sits on top of the rafter. The pipe's only sitting in 14 inches yeah. of insulation. It's not sitting in the whole insulation because the insulation goes underneath that, too. And, and it doesn't have the amount of heat that it would have if it was at the bottom of the rafter, right? Because yeah. it's, it, you've yeah. already got eight inches of insulation in yep. between it and the pipe. So it's, Makes you know, sense. and at 30 degrees, it's no big deal. At 22 degrees, it's no big deal. Even at 15 degrees for one night, it's no big deal. But 15 degrees all day, five nights in a row, six nights in a row, it's going to catch up. It's going to boom. Well, a lot of those houses, I know because I work with several builders in that area, they they were already making headway on their houses when they realized they had to put sprinkler systems in. Yeah. So the houses weren't necessarily designed uh, with yeah. that in mind. So they had to kind of retrofit some of them or add them back in or, or whatever. And, and it was relatively new uh, c- compliance code. And so a lot of places just didn't have a ton of experience with that kind of stuff as well. Um, so uh, it was... It was it was a mess. Well, nobody was really prepared for that level of cold for as long as it was. I mean, we talked about it. I think three weeks ago, you know, and you can go back on you know Facebook and see the old thing, but about how the the water meters were freezing mm-hmm. because they Metro Water has their design standards for what's typical around here and even what below is typical, and we went way past what's even yeah. designed for, and water meters were freezing up. Um, which is really unusual. Well, just like your your ten year flood, ten year, fifty year, and hundred year floods. Hundred year flood, and then we had a five hundred year, year 500. event here in two thousand ten. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just it's weather that you don't traditionally see or incidents that you don't traditionally see. Yeah, it's 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 hard to design for every possible. Can't protect against everything. Yeah, I mean, you just can't. So what you know, if protection about against everything or trying to plan for everything. What are some uh, misconceptions that people think about when they're building a home, you know, you know, sprinkler systems, it's going to protect you, but yet here's obviously an inherent risk that comes along with it. What's some other things that you might kick out there? Well, I mean, going back to what we were talking about, they think, well, the property comes with a survey because I can see the flags, right? You know, and I, you know, they should really go to your website, talk to you about it, Chris, because, you know, it's, it's a thing that it gets overlooked all the time. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's a big, Part of it is uh, they, they see that and they think, oh, I know where my property is. So, so that's a big part. Um, I, I think sometimes when people try to compare to resales, they miss all the real added benefits. I'm not sure we'll be able to get into this, but maybe I'll put something on the website, Capital Home Ideas, to talk about it some more. But if you take and just think about, let's take simple stuff like the appliances, and you know that appliances last eight to 10 years. And it's going to cost you, let's say, three grand to replace all the appliances. You know, at the end of ten years, and the house is three years old. Well, you're a third through that. Yeah. So a new home may be a little more expensive on the front end, but it's also brand spanking new, and th- and that applies to the water heater. It applies to the roof. It applies to everything. Longevity of it. Right the down. Right down. Yeah. So I, I think that is probably one of the big things. People think that they're going to spend a little bit more money, but it does also to kind of depend on how you do the math. We really need to get one of our appraiser professionals in here to talk about 
the way they look at things because I mean the new house versus the old house you know, why can't I use this comp? It's right across the street. It's not the same age. It was built different year, or not different years, but you know, there's so many things that they can get into. I mean, it's just that's a probably almost a whole show by itself. Yeah. So. Well, my other favorite one is the price per square foot, and no one's ever bought a car by the pound, but they all want to know why <laughs> yeah. the houses aren't all the exact same price per square foot. Yeah, that's it's a total variance. Any event, hey, we got to run out of here. We're done for the day, but. Uh, You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here at News Radio 1510 WLAC. Again, check us out on the Facebook at uh, Money Man Mike Radio or online at moneymanmikeradio.net. Have a great day.